Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 55th episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. I'm, yeah, where That is correct. It is 55, so you're right, sir. I, I am not wrong in the situation. That uh, My name is SPJ. I am the host of the Tuesday Night Podcast. I don't know if I just said that, but that delightful voice you heard is Alan. Hey, hey, a uh, little thing about me. Number six, October, probably one of my favorite months, contending for the favorite month of all time. It's a good month. It's up there with December for you, right? December is not on the list. No, December is not a favorite month. Of mine. December not you're not part of the top twelve. No, not part of the top twelve. <laughs> that uh, other voice you heard is Sean. You are finally alive and back. That's true. I'm back. I'm alive. Both of those things are facts. Behind the curtain of this podcast is we just spent forty five minutes troubleshooting Sean's uh, Skype issues, and we've decided that we would rather have. John, not sound as good, but at least sound consistent. That's true. If you can't be with the one you love, you love, love the one you're with. So we have them on the phone, but man, that was 45 minutes. We're draining. It's almost apropos, if you will, because it's Halloween time. It's almost as if we were cursed. Oh, Ooh. <laughs> those are things we didn't really have a game plan for this uh, this episode i know alan and sean suggested halloween slash horror games and I, when we did that last year i felt like i was already stretching it a little thin so hopefully they have a little more content than i do let's just for the sake of making sure that we stay on topic and we we focus on the board games because this is a podcast about board games tabletop games games you can play on and under your table we're going to start off with Table Talk. It's time for the Table Talk. Whoa. And Alan, what have you been playing? Oh my goodness. Whew. I have to talk about one game and one game alone because, Sean, you and I and other people have talked about, is there any such thing as a scary tabletop game? And one of our Tuesday knaves actually sent... This house is haunted in our direction, said this is a game that's actually scary. So I went ahead and picked it up, and this past weekend, I played it extensively. Uh, it was incredible. Amazing stuff. Yes. Was it scary, though? It's definitely the scariest tabletop game I've ever played, but that's not saying that much. The good news and bad news of it is there's a lot of room for improvement. So it's has a really solid kind of idea and concept behind it, but it's lacking in a lot of mechanics and things. So why is that good and why is that bad? Well, good because the good's good, bad because the bad's bad, but also good because... Thank you for breaking that down for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no problem. Also good because... There's room for us to make a game here. Maybe get in contact with the creator, Gabriel Gomez, and see if he wants to do something or go rogue on our own, something. But it's there's definitely something there for sure. Yeah. So let's start with the solid. What do you think solid about it? What do you think is the framework of this game that sort of that that works? The best part of it is the atmosphere, atmosphere, atmosphere. This is basically the bread and butter of the game. You get a house and you turn all the lights off and everyone gets a flashlight. Then there's a room where you all meet and that's where you basically have conversations. They call this homeroom. 
that's already kind of a mistake because that doesn't really sound like anything but homeroom. Like when you say homeroom, what do you think of? School. Yeah, you think of school. It, it should be sanctuary, something like that. But nobody starts with any cards in their hand. Rather, the deck of cards shuffled up and they're separated into different rooms. So what you have to do is you take turns being a leader and you send different individuals into different rooms. And there they have to draw a card and whatever the card they draw tells them what basically happens. And then they have to come back to sanctuary is what we'll call it. And basically some of the cards trap you in the room. And that's one of the coolest things is you come back and you think, oh my goodness, Parker's not back. Ray's gone. So Parker and Ray are stuck in these rooms. We have to go rescue them next round. So these cards that trap you are basically called haunted cards. And they set up these scary situations for the people that have to come rescue you. Would you like an example? I would. So for example, this is what I'm making up. So I'm not plot spoiling at all. I'm improving this one so it won't ruin the game. The the card says, hey, you're trapped in here. But what you're going to have to do is when someone comes into the room to rescue you, you have to face the corner of the wall, hunched as small as you can and whisper, you are dead. You are dead. You are dead. And if they don't act like they're dead by the 12th time that you say you are dead, then they're trapped as well. So that means that if the next round happens and now Parker, Ray and Chris, not, none of them have returned. It's like, man, they're all trapped in the same room. So sh slowly but surely you start sending people to this haunted room and then they have to kind of figure out the scary puzzle in order to rescue them. That is the best part of the game by far. The scariest part, walking into a dark house alone. It's so weird when you go into a room totally alone. It's, it's pretty badass stuff. Okay, so the thing to me that would break this concept is even the knowledge that like, so like you walk into a room and somebody's doing something creepy in that room, but if you know that they're doing it because it's on a card, doesn't that like defeat the purpose or they're still genuinely unsettling things that people can do that still scare you, even though you know, like, well, they're just doing what a card told them to do. Yeah. There's definitely some things that legitimately scared other people. Uh, this is an actual card that I'm giving away. So I apologize, but it, it, it doesn't, this one doesn't ruin it too much. One of them isn't you do some vignette. It's basically you have to jump out at the person and scare them. And that was actually the scariest moment for us. So imagine I'm playing with Emerson and Parker and my brother, Chris, and our friend Ray and her brother, Sam. And there's we send we send two of them into the master bedroom. And I should paint the picture better, guys. SBJ, you even still there? Boo, here I am. Ah. Ha -ha. So, <laughs> Scared me. So here's the thing. We went to my childhood home, which is a kind of a big house, but it's in a really weird time right now because it's switching ownership from my father to my brother. So all the furniture is gone. Everything's torn up. There's just like paint buckets and empty rooms and they tore out all the carpet. So it's all squeaky floors and you can hear footsteps galore. It's really echoey. 
So it already has this creepy things with tarps draped over some other small remaining pieces of furniture that were too big to get rid of or remove. So the atmosphere is already really cool and creepy. We send Sam into one room and he doesn't come back. Send Parker into the room and he doesn't come back. So then Sam, um, myself and Emerson get sent to this room and there's this event here and we fail to break the haunt. So now we're part of the haunt as well. And so we're waiting up there, waiting for either Chris or Ray to come back. And we just hear walking around in the house beneath us. And then we hear this blood curdling scream. <coughs> and then in response, a really masculine, legit type of scream. <coughs> it was amazing. So what had happened and we didn't know is that Ray had also been haunted in a different room. And so my brother, instead of coming up to save all of us, of course, went to the room with the girl. Ray's a girl. So female woman. My brother goes into Ray's room and her mission was the one I mentioned previously. And she just jumped out of out at him as soon as he opened the door. He didn't even get a chance to walk into the room and it scared the shit out of him. But that moment was actually scarier for us because we're just standing in this dark room trying to be as quiet as possible getting ready to try to scare someone who comes in with our creepy montage we have to do. And we just hear this action going on in the room out of nowhere after just standing there silently for a good five minutes. So yeah, there's legitimately some scary moments to it. I feel like this game, it sounds cool and everything. I don't want to be the Debbie Downer, but I feel like I'm the Debbie Downer when it comes to like charades because I don't want to act and I feel like if, if one person doesn't want to do the jump scare, or one person just... Uh, but you know, do you get what I'm saying, though? Like I do. Could, I, totally, I totally apart. get what you're saying. Whereas like a game like Werewolf or Two Rooms or something, or even like The Resistance, uh, you seeming like you, you don't care or you don't want to do something could just be an act. Where in charades, it just makes you come off as... That person clearly doesn't want to play this game. No, you hit the... You hit... The nail on the head there, SBJ. This game is definitely only as scary as the other players can make it. So if you get someone who can't really perform too well or really doesn't want to perform, then yeah. I would argue that if you're not good at performing, there's still a fun game here. But if you don't want to perform or you want to sandbag, there's a lot of room for sandbagging. Absolutely. People have to sort of be a part of the magic circle is what I'm hearing. Like, you have to commit, right? This is going to be a scary game. We're all going to try to scare people and be scared. But if you're just walking around not participating, it's none of it's going to work. People have to sort of buy in. Right. Absolutely. In fact, it's not in the game, but I gave a little speech beforehand that try to acclimate the players. I said, hey, we've never played this game before. We don't know how flawed it is. But from my rules reading, it's only as good as we make it. So we spent a good 30 minutes warming up of telling ghost stories and trying to get the humor out of the room and getting into the mood and mode. And again, part of the speech was, it's only as scary as we make it. So let's really buy into this. And even if you're not scared, do your best to fake it so you can make it for everybody else. Do you think that's so, a, why, don't, why don't you do an elevator pitch for this game? No one asked me to. No, I mean, why don't you do one now? Oh, okay. I, I can do that. 
I'm just uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it, it's, it's, I mean, like I'm not I'm not against Allen Elevator pitching it, but it's not like you can run out and buy it right now. You can get it on Game Crafter, so it's on demand. So I got it on Game Crafter, uh, thegamecrafter.com, and that's pretty much the only place you can get it. So this is as indie as games get because it uses the Game Crafter's box. Someone uploaded their own cards and whatnots. It looks pretty good, if I recall. Like for a Game Crafter game, it looks pretty, pretty polished. Solid. Yeah, 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 yeah. It has good art. It has good graphic design, uh, relative. But I mean, I have notes on all of that. But yeah, it's it's really solid as far as the presentation goes. There's notes which we held to the end, and so we had a good, probably hour and a half long talk about what's good about it, but also what really needs to be fixed. And boy, there is a lot. <laughs> so what needs to be fixed? All right. Criminal sin number one, the haunt cards repeat. There's no way that you can make this game and have haunt cards repeat. Imagine that you get the one room where someone says, you are dead. You are dead. And you figure out, oh, how do I defeat this room? I have to act like I'm dead. And then it's solved. And then later on, you walk into a room to rescue a friend and the friend's saying, you are dead. It's like, oh, and when that happened, just totally ruins the entire immersion. Like, oh man, you, you see the game. You're no longer immersed in a haunted house. It just pops that total imaginary bubble. The other thing that pops the bubble of immersion is the mechanics. Cause I never even explained how you win this game or how you lose this game. In fact, I only explained one card type and there's six different card types. I only explained the haunt card because that's where the real pleasure comes in is the haunt card. So unfortunately, all the other parts of the game with the other cards get in the way. They're just, it's just not great. So you're thinking they should just distill it down to the best cards, no duplicates, and then cut the fat. It just sounds like there's maybe a lot of fat here. Yeah, I would say they need to do that. Or we do, Sean. Because <laughs> there's a lot of tweaking to the point where it's, is this even reminiscent of the original game and that's a conversation we had as well because a lot of my friends that were there are saying dude you should totally do a tuesday night version of this thinking but yeah is that just ripping it off and they said the version that we're describing right now and that you're describing is way different than ascension is from dominion is way different than star realms is from any other deck building game thunderstone so basically the main mechanic of having a room that I described first would be a big part of it. But yeah, that's exactly it. So, I mean, that's a conversation for us to, to have, I guess, as a business and integrity is if we make a game that's nothing but that, is that a game in of itself? So, I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you think, SBJ? I wouldn't play it. <laughs> I love it. What do you, are you, uh, a guy who likes haunted houses? Do you like to be scared? Do you like to scare other people? Uh, I mean, I haven't had a non... Like, I've definitely enjoyed the times I've been to a haunted house, but it's not anything, like, I seek out to do. It's not, like, top of my October wish list. And it's a more passive experience, right? Because you don't like the charades element, I'm assuming. Like, you don't want to go and, like, have to scare people and hide in rooms and that kind of thing. Right. 
Yeah, that's just not my that's just not my thing at all. Well, this game that night, even though it was highly flawed, I would say was way more unforgettable than almost any number of haunted houses that I've been to. Because every single one of us, no matter what we thought of the game or the experiences, all agreed, we'll never forget this night. It was really, really fun. There was some great, great moments in the game where uh, moments I can't really share because of both plot spoilers, but also because of I don't want to I didn't get the permission of players that were there. So, you know, I don't want to share secrets or whatever, but it was it's, it's pretty amazing. I think there's definitely something there, but you're right, SBJ. This is definitely not for everyone, just like charades is not for everyone, just like haunted houses. Not for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. John hasn't been on in a month. He's yeah, been dead. What's new? What's different? I'm sure you've played games. You got a puppy, apparently. Yeah, we got a new puppy. And so I was taking him to puppy training school, which he graduated with honors. So he is now fit to run for president of the United States. It turns out what else has been going on? Played a couple board games. Some of them, Chris Bryan may have mentioned because I played them with him. Some of them are all the way back to xoxo because i wasn't on the show after that and then uh, some of them are just like normal like go i've been playing go pretty regularly since then always playing go always playing go are you still dnd we've been taking a dnd break i think because it's october and we're watching horror movies on mondays and then the other night we would normally play we're like watching football so it's more of like a everybody's enjoying that the weather's cooling down and you know, wanting to get spooked up for Halloween, that kind of stuff. So haven't found a great D&D group. I even found a group, man, scheduling D&D with people you don't know is so hard. I found a, a guy at Gen Con who lived in Dallas who wanted to play, and he and I were pumped, and we started scheduling it with his friends, but, you know, like, we're saying, what about this week? And then nobody's responding. What about next week? And then nobody's responding. And then I was like, I set out a schedule thing called Doodle, where you can, like, put in your schedule preferences for like a month or two months ahead and say like, I can do these days and then it'll match everybody up and say like Wednesday at 7 PM is the best day for everybody. But like people didn't fill it out. And then other people only filled out like their schedule for one week. And it was like, well, by the time that everybody's filled this out, your schedule will be anyway, such just a big clusterfuck. Um, but that's a pretty common D and D thing. So hopefully after football season, I've got a bunch of campaign adventures ready to roll. We'll see if we can get it going again. What else? What else do you guys have? Like I said, I'm I'm light on the horror game stuff. So if you wanted to focus on that, I've got something something at the window. Let me open up the window and see what's knocking. <laughs> it's me, the witch. I'm back yet again, and now it's time to play the Curse of the Worst. <laughs> SBJ, anytime you say the word how, I will interrupt with my cackle. <laughs> and Sean, you're cursed as well. Anytime you say the word play, I'll interrupt play. with my cackle. <laughs> and Alan, you're cursed as well. Anytime you say the word tantalizing, I'll interrupt you. <laughs> Have you guys been playing any other games this week? <laughs> I haven't played any. <laughs> I haven't played much recently. 
But Jackbox Party Pack 3 just came out. Played it. Ooh. Oh, you played it, Alan? Can you talk about it? Because I want to... Is it, is it worth it? Is it better than 1 or 2? Is it not better than 1 or 2? Is it worth the price? I want to hear all about this. You ready for it? Yes. You got it. So, it comes with uh, five games. One of them is Quiplash 2, which is just a sequel to the other Quiplash. What was and Quiplash almost, again? Oh, it was Quiplash the two words, Cards pick Against one. Humanity. Yeah, yeah. Cards Against Humanity, you put in your own, your own responses. Uh, there wasn't much different with Quiplash 2 than there was with Clip, any of the other Quiplashes. The only thing different was the scoring at the end, because in the original Quiplash, everyone gets the same prompt, and everyone puts in their own response, and then everyone votes for their favorite response. You can't vote for your own, but you get three votes. Well, in Quiplash 2, you don't get three votes. You get a gold, a silver, and a bronze. And, and so that way, you can't just vote for the one person three times if you wanted to. You have to break it up. So that was an interesting, but it's still Quiplash. The other games, in no particular order, Faking It, Gespionage, TKO, spelled T-E-E, as in like a t-shirt, K-O, knockout, and it's all about t-shirts, and then last but not least, Trivia Murder Party. And this was featured at XOXO Fest, but I didn't get a chance to play it at XOXO. But we played every game in length just this past Tuesday night gathering. Yeah. So you want to hear about each of those games? Yeah. Yeah, no, I do. So Qu- Quiplash 2, obviously that makes sense. Uh, what, were, what are the other four then? So Faking It. Faking It is Spyfall. So if you like Spyfall, then you'll like faking it. Do you think, before you continue, do you think that they looked at what games are on the market and was like, let's recreate this? So it's it's a little bittersweet for me because I've talked to uh, at least one of the gentlemen from Jackbox TV, and I have this whole notebook full of games that I would love to see being made that are totally compatible with the Jackbox TV medium. Two Rooms and a Boom as well, like Two Rooms and a Boom, imagine the TV being a host for Two Rooms and a Boom, so it keeps the time for you, it lets you know when time's up. I mean, that would be amazing, but plenty of other games besides Two Rooms and a Boom. So when I see a game on Jackbox TV and having talked to them, if the game is derivative of a game that's already out there, and if it has some flaws, I have to admit, I'm probably more harsh than the the average person, but don't get me wrong. I love Jackbox TV, and we've spent hours upon hours upon hours in a party setting playing Jackbox TV games. So I can't really shake a stick at it. But yeah, faking it is definitely just derivative of um, Spyfall. Yeah, Spyfall. But there's differences. The differences in Spyfall, as you know, Spyfall, everyone gets a location and you ask each other questions and one person is a spy and everyone has to try to figure out who the spy is. Well, in faking it, it gives you prompts on your phone. So everyone has the same prompt on their phone and it's in different categories. One of them is a pointing category where you have to point to a person. And it's usually like, who do you think is wearing the most fashionable t-shirt? And so if you're the spy, if you're faking it, it just says, hey, good luck. You have to point to someone. Uh, And then it has a countdown like three, two, one, everyone point. And so you go ahead and point and then people have to vote and it has to be unanimous. 
for the spy to go ahead and get caught. Uh, another version besides pointing is just raising your hand. And man, you know, I'm poorly prepared because I'm failing at remembering what the other ones are. But anyway, there's different versions of that, and some are definitely easier than the others. Uh, oh, one of them is a facial expression where you have to make facial expressions. So that's faking it. Any questions on faking it? No, that seems all right. Is there, is ever, wait, when you said people are raising their hand, are. It'll just ask you a yes, no question like, raise your hand if you are terrified of the dark. Raise your hand. So you're raising your hand in real life. There's no app or anything. That's my question. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So this is the one and only Jackbox TV game where everyone has to be situated around each other because you're looking at each other instead of the television. So that's a really big difference between faking it and any of the other Jackbox TV games. Because in all the other games, you're either looking at your phone or the television. This one, you have to be looking at the other players. Hmm. Yeah. Gaspionage is pretty simple. One person gets asked a question on what percentage of people do you think blah, 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 blah. Like, what percentage of people do you think uses an electric razor instead of a manual razor? And you guess the percentage, and then people have to vote if you guess beneath the actual percentage or greater than the actual percentage. And that's basically the game. And you get points if you're correct and however close you are the more points you get and everyone gets a turn being the person who guesses what percentage of people and that's it so gaspionage is pretty simple it almost seems like it's a mini game within a greater game because after just a few rounds you think okay well that's basically it so it's just basically a trivia game with percentages questions on gaspionage no that one seems all right i guess it's pretty straightforward TKO, TKO, a very interesting one. They actually have this deal set in where you can design t-shirts and you can actually get the t-shirts made. It's pretty fascinating because there's two parts to this game. In one part, you just make drawings on your phone, very similar to Drawful, but there's a lot of editing options. You can choose the size of your brush, you can choose the background color, and you can choose different colors. They're very basic, red, white, blue, black, etc. But you go ahead and you make a drawing. The next phase is you come up with t-shirt catchphrases like I'm with stupid. Oh, no, he didn't. God made no trash, you know, but you try to come up with your own original ones and you have only a certain amount of time to put in as many as you want. After that happens, every player gets sent a bunch of images and a bunch of the submitted slogans and you have to combine them to make a shirt which image goes best with which of the slogans that you got. And then it's simply one at a time. It shows this player made this shirt with this slogan and this player combined this shirt with this slogan, which one's better. And then you vote. And then it simply is whoever has the best shirt wins at the end. And it's, it's literally that simple. So it's not so much more of a game as it is kind of a neat experience of trying to design t-shirts. That's basically TKO. Okay. That reminds me of that. What's that game in the first one where you're putting words together and then people vote if they liked the other part of the word? Yeah. Yeah. Very forgettable. And I think the one thing that may save TKO is the ability to actually make the shirts because there were definitely some hilarious moments where we laughed at the serendipitous combination of someone's random image with someone else's 
random uh, slogan that someone cleverly put together. And we all thought, man, I'd actually buy that shirt. But realistically, I don't know if that shirt would be tri-blend. You know what I'm talking about, Sean. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the shirt buying, are you playing on PC or PS4 or how are you playing? This? Everything's pretty much on Steam. I don't have any current generation okay. gaming console. So when, at all. when you're, how, how do you buy the shirt? Does it, at the end of the game, does it ask you and then does it pull you out of Steam and take you to a web browser? How does that work? I believe so. Yes, I think that's exactly how it works. Like, click here to purchase the shirt. And, you know, this is horrible podcasting. I apologize because we never actually tried to. I don't know the exact process of it. Okay. Had I known I'd be talking about Jackbox, I would have thought, oh, you know what? I should go ahead and totally see what happens if I try to buy one of these shirts. I had no clue Jackbox 3 was coming until uh, actually like a Facebook ad or something showed me. And I went from zero to a hundred on it because i loved the first two jackbox games a lot yeah amazing and i actually wrote it on my calendar and i told everyone at my tuesday night gathering facebook group like hey jackbox tv game coming out so a lot of people were excited yeah so we got to play the latest one but that made it really interesting because everyone's going there really excited to play but also with a critical eye of how good is this going to be? How is it compared to the other Jackbox games? Which one's our new favorite? Is this worth it? So, you know, everyone's coming in with like a critical eye. I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of players are like, oh, I really like this one more than this one. That was a lot of the commentary. Or why did they do this instead of this? For instance, in, in like the TKO game, they made some very simple mistakes with the timing. And it was kind of frustrating where... You know, because you're so engaged in the phone, it doesn't count down for you on the TV. It doesn't say like, hey, you only have 30 seconds or hey, 10, 9. So you'll be in the middle of drawing a picture in the zone. All of a sudden it's like, oh, you ran out of time. No knowledge of it. So, I mean, there's these other little quips about it, but they're small and really easily fixed. I'm not sure if they'll fix them in an update. Probably not. But if you play, you'll be like, oh, that was a really weird choice. Why did they do this instead of? this so uh but overall really awesome i still haven't told you about trivia murder party is that is this the the final and fifth game this is the final and fifth game trivia murder party and also is the most apropos if you will for the halloween season yeah so trivia murder party is basically just a trivia game but once you get a question wrong you die and you keep playing until there's only one person alive but anytime you die, you get a chance to uh, prevent your death by doing a mini game. And it was kind of reminiscent almost of Mario Party in a way, in that you do this main trivia game, and then if you die, you play a totally different mini game. But of course, it's not action based like Mario Party, it's all phone word based. And some of them are ridiculous, like if it's, it depends on how many players also died. For instance, I know if two people died, one example was you basically play a game of rock, paper, scissors. Uh, another one where two people died, it did a prisoner's dilemma where it's like, hey, if neither of you want to kill the other person, you both live. But if both of you kill each other, you both something you know, weird like that. Sure. Uh, yeah. So it was one of these interesting things. But then after there's only one person left, it just goes to this end game. And the end game is all that really matters. All, all everything you did before that just leads up to this race 
And the end game is it gives you multiple choice questions which have three possible answers and you can answer none of those are correct. Well, A is correct or A and B is correct. A and C is correct or A, B and C. So basically you have to say which of these answers are correct. Like one of them is like, which of the following is a Kevin Bacon movie? And it lists, you know, three movies. And if none of them were Kevin Bacon, anytime you put a check mark by one on your phone, you only move ahead so many spaces. You move ahead one space for every correct answer. And it's a race to the end. And the person who was alive gets a big head start. And if you pass up the person who was in first place, then you become the living person, the only alive person. And the crazy catch-up mechanism that they use is whoever's in the lead only gets two of the three options. So the other players have a chance to move ahead three spaces, but the maximum amount that the player who's in the lead can move is two spaces. And that's their catch-up mechanism. Not sure if that made sense, but that is all five games of the current version of Jackbox TV. So is it is it worth it? Hmm. I think if well, I have to think about it. So that's it. I you know I would say yes, but Ooh, I have to think, think about. about it. Yeah, because like espionage, I can't see us playing that very much at all. Maybe if we already have it set up, we're like, all right, what now? Well, we can play Gaspionage while we think of what else to play. It's almost filler. Faking it is just like Spyfall in that it's really intense when you're the spy, when you're the one faking it. And I don't think that's for everyone. For the similar complaint that you had with This House is Haunted, some players will just be too stressed out. Like, I hate being the faker. It's just... I can't handle it. I can't pretend like I know what's going on. I'll just admit, yeah, it's me. I'm sorry, guys. So faking it, it depends on your audience. TKO doesn't sound like a game. It, yeah, it doesn't really sound like a game. It's a fun exercise. I'm looking forward to doing it again. Uh, but we basically had to have house rules with TKO. And now that I've played it once, I know how to play it again. The first time you play, I can almost guarantee you're going to be screwed up with some of the timing mechanisms. So it'll make sense when you play. And if you listen to this podcast, if you're a Tuesday knave and you play TKO, I think when you're done, you'll say, I know what Alan's talking about because we play that again. I'm totally going to do things differently. (laughs) Uh, Trivia murder party is probably the strongest entry except for quiplash because trivia murder party is just a really solid trivia game. And I'm not a trivia game fan by any means. So this is probably my favorite trivia game all time, maybe even more than the original Jackbox TV, because it's based off of You Don't Know Jack. So it's probably even better than You Don't Know Jack. I I feel like Fibbage is a trivia game, right? Yeah, Fibbage, you're right. You know what? I guess that is. I think of Fibbage, that is just the same thing as Balderdash, where you try to get people to vote for your fake answer, right? Right. That has more creativity in it, where there's only one correct answer, and you're trying to get everyone to get your wrong answer. So, yeah, you know, Fibbage, I would definitely do Fibbage before Trivia Murder Party. Okay, because I feel like everyone I've showed Jackbox to, Fibbage was the standout game. And it, it, You Don't Know Jack is good, but You Don't Know Jack caps at four people, which puts a lot out, because I think Fibbage caps at eight. Yeah, in Trivial Murder Party, there's even audience members, so there's no cap whatsoever if you consider that as an audience member, you can participate as well, just for fun. You you well, you went in strong, and then you came off going, eh, I don't know. 
Well, I mean, I was really excited about it. And I think a lot of the games have really solid aspects, but I definitely had more fun with Jackbox 2 and 1. Okay. I'll say that. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I guess uh, we'll wrap it up here. We talked nothing about games, mostly Alan, but that's all right. Like yeah, sorry, guys. No, I've just been so busy that I haven't gotten a chance to play stuff. Uh, I won't be here next week because I'll actually be in D.C., so I don't know what you two are planning on doing, but uh, surprise me. Oh, it'll be a surprise <laughs> Yeah, all of us. Again, if you don't already follow us on Twitter, you can do so at PlayPKG. I am at Dragging a Lake on Twitter. Uh, Alan, where can they find you? You can find me on the Facebook. You can find me on the tweets. I'm Alan Girding. So on the tweets, it's at Alan Girding, A-L-A-N-G-E-R, ding, just the name on Facebook. And you can also check me out on basically Battle.net. I've been playing a lot of Overwatch. I'm actually getting into Hearthstone. Friend me if you want. Alan, hashtag 11775. You can find me on Twitter at Sean McCoy. All right. And if you guys want to complain about Two Rooms and a Boom, there are their Twitters that you can complain to. Is that you, Sean? Have you been like doing office work this entire time? What are you talking about? We can hear every little shuffle of cards that you're doing and every little card sorting and he's, typing. He's and the manually phone. making World Championship Russian Roulette as we record. <laughs> okay. He's at his paper cutter. <laughs> Pressing the cards now. Yeah, you're making a lot of noise is what I mean, Sean. That's what I've meant by that. You, you didn't think you could just say, hey, man, there's some noise coming through. You had to just start yelling about it. <laughs> I guess this is a good way to end the show. So this episode. Fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Finished. Finished. <laughs>